0: Welcome back, everybody. We're finally back at the plane. Studios. almost—I don't know—we've been gone for quite some time. Uh, as always, I am joined by super, super producer Casey and super producer. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and tonight, I have guest co-host Matt, who you might know from. South Wait, what? Wolf. I'm and a guest co-host. You are. You're oh, you're hey. the celebrity guest host tonight. Hey. Steve unfortunately can't make it. He just moved, and so he's trying to put his house back into working order. Uh, but you might know Matt from Soundwave and Department of Defense. More importantly, we are joined tonight by Kevin, a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. Thank you, Kevin, for coming down. Uh, this, please introduce yourself a little bit. Hi, I'm Kevin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, went in right after high school, 1988 to 1992. Uh, I spent most of my time actually in Okinawa, Japan. Didn't get to play in the sandbox during Desert Storm. Oh, I love Okinawa. <laughs> Oh, it's very pretty. It's very nice. They have these things called habu there that are snakes, and they're very vicious. Mm -hmm. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Just why? We we were just (laughs) discussing snakes, so side reference. (laughs) Casey's a big fan of snakes. Yes. Yes. Well, these are unique. The venom gets into your flesh, and it dissolves your flesh into a gelatinous goo, and then they eat the gelatinous goo, and that's what
1: they feed on. Did you have habu-saku while you were there? No, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I bought a jug that had the snake inside of it. It was oh. delicious. It and actually was really fucking good. And what turns them white is my question. I have no clue. Oh. Probably just sitting in there for so long. The same idea as like having a hand in a jar or something. You know? Uh, yeah. No thanks. Yeah. Nope, nope. Nope. It was really good. Surprisingly, yeah, it's sake compared to habusake, it yeah it has a it's different sake flavor. with a
0: snake in it. Yep.
2: No, thank you. I have suddenly a cool I'm reconsidering of a dude, my
1: yeah.
0: trip to Japan. <laughs> Not only a snake, but a venomous, mm-hmm. poisonous, deadly mm-hmm. snake.
1: A snake can't be (laughs) (laughs) poisonous. Yeah, I drank one with a snake in it while I was there, and then I brought a habu sake home with me, and it was, like, just a normal small bottle of sake in it. There you go. Sounds good, but Mm -hmm. no thanks. Continue. (laughs) So,
0: Kevin, when did you first start to think or consider the idea that you wanted to join the military, and why did you choose the Marines over the other branches? Oh, God. Uh, Early in my life. uh, My dad was an Air Force fighter pilot. My father's father was in the Navy during a couple of world wars. Might have heard of him, one, two. Um, My father's brother was in the Army. There was always kind of like a, not so much a desire, but kind of like an expectation to do it. As I was growing up, uh, I'd actually joined the Army in 1987 before I graduated high school in the delayed entry program. And that was going to be a sweet gig I had. A guaranteed MOS, military occupational skill, of avionics electronics technician. So I was going to fix stuff on helicopters. And I was going to have a guaranteed duty station of West Germany before the Berlin Wall fell. And I was going to graduate as a specialist, so I would be promoted to E4 immediately. And that kind of fell through. So I went down the hall to the Marine Corps, and three days later, I was in the Marine (laughs) Corps. When you first started talking to the recruiters, I mean, what was going through your mind? I mean, were you nervous at all? A little bit, uh, especially, you know, like expectations. You hear stories, you see movies. Uh, The reality is a lot different, especially Mm -hmm. for my generation. What year was this? 1988. 1988, okay. Recruiters were desperate to try to get people Mm -hmm. in. They were falsifying high school diplomas. They were doing things they shouldn't do, not doing things they should do. Just to try to meet quotas we were actually hurting pretty bad then desert storm came along and Mm -hmm. everybody just wanted to hop in because hey you know it's our civic duty we want to go kill bad guys idiot Um, would you say was it still that stigma from the korean and vietnam wars would you say god no oh god no i've got several friends that are vietnam vets my dad was in during korea and when you came back from a conflict you were spat on you were scum Wow. There's a lot of truth to the, the, the I mean like going from the, the uh, viewpoint, I guess. Oh uh, potential new recruits. I mean they' they I mean uh, you, you're part of the generation. you see when those guys are coming home. was that do you think that played into why people didn't want to join? I think that was a big thing. There was a stigma. Uh, Hollywood didn't help at all. Right. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> w- what was the one movie? Uh,
1: well, Apocalypse Now is a big one. I love that one.
0: But. N- uh, no, the Vietnam vet that came back, and he had no legs, and he's stuck in a wheelchair. And- oh, Forrest, Forrest Gump? Gump. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but,
3: uh, Lieutenant Dan! <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, unfortunately, I used to look a lot like him, but I also had a... Kid, kind of a beige jacket and people are like oh my god it's Forrest Gump <laughs> my name is Forrest Forrest Gump what's the other one you're thinking of then I can't remember yeah. it but it, it was kind of a B movie it didn't it's last the Charlie long. Sheen movie it might have been I it was think so name, long no. ago it was yeah. in the very early 80s not Seals or whatever that was but he came back and he couldn't get a job and everyone spat on him and so you still had the propagation of all these stigmas so who wants to go in if you're going to do something and then come back and people are not going to like you right him? You know now military people come back and they're heroes and they were always heroes so it's disturbing what had happened previously but. how did your family react i mean you said you had playing family in the military <laughs> my dad said come 18th birthday you're out of the house doesn't matter where you go break the plate in front of you exactly and the great thing was is my 18th birthday he literally kicked me out of the house And my mom's like, no, you can't do this. And guess what? He did. Are you an only child then or no? No, got an older sister, two and a half years older than me. Were they also kicked out right at 18 Oh, God, no. She was smart. (laughs) She had good grades. She went to college. I knew with my high school uh, grades and how much I hated learning that I was not going to go to college. So military seemed like a really great option. So I just got on the bandwagon from what was, you know, being influenced with my family and whatnot. So they were for it. Uh, my dad was more wanting me to have done the Army route, and because it fell through, that just sucks. But I went into the Marine Corps, open contract, which basically means whatever job we happen to have, you're going to get. And I became motor transport, basically a truck driver. And for the four years I was in, I think I drove a truck for about a total of six months here and there. <laughs> uh wound up being a dispatcher when I was in Okinawa, so come get your truck, let me see your driver's license, okie dokie, here you go. Uh, then I was in charge of the preventative maintenance shack. make sure everyone knew how to check their stuff, and by the way, don't ever check your oil with the engine running. <laughs> Saw that so many times. <laughs> but we're supposed to. No, that's a tranny fluid, dumbass. Um, then I became a company clerk. So then, you know, people started calling me Rado O'Reilly. <laughs> um, got a driver's license, went scuba diving, and quite honestly, it was two, two and a half years of the best of my life. Just absolutely loved it there. And you didn't actually
1: have to go to Desert Storm or anything like that? I
0: volunteered for it, uh, but what a lot of people don't know is at the same time, we were about to invade the Philippines. Mm. There was a democratic election between Aquino and Marcos, and someone didn't want to get out of the office. And we also had a lot of troubles trying to renegotiate the contracts for the bases that we had in the Philippines, and this is of the era where you had to stay within a couple hundred miles because our airplanes could only go so far without having to refuel. So that's one of the reasons why we still had all those bases in Asia. Uh, 1984 or 85, I can't remember specifically, but there was a lieutenant colonel that was kidnapped chained to the bumper of a truck and dragged through town and his corpse was unrecognizable and all off-base activities were shut down. And anybody that knows anything about being military and being near the Philippines,
1: it was a party country. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, in general, anywhere in Southeast Asia ends up being a party country. Ding, 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 (laughs) ding. So what's the point
0: of going to the Philippines if you can't go to the Philippines? (laughs) Um, And there's a story about, you know, like electronics and brass beds and stuff like that. But... um, yeah, it's just... Okinawa was really great. Did, how close did you did you ever get the call, like, be on standby because we might be invading tomorrow? Did you ever get that close? We were right at the cusp of it. Uh, we had... I can't remember if it was 2nd Mardiv. I think it was 2nd, Mardiv, uh, 2nd Marine Corps Division was staged and ready to go, and then we had 3rd Force Service Support Group staged and ready to go. A volcano by the name of Mount Pinatubo decided to explode and all of our invasion force became a rescue force to get all of our wow. assets out of there, help out the Philippine people as well. And strangely enough, the government changeover occurred because who wants to control a country that you now have to dig out of three feet of volcanic wow. ash? Wow. So, and I hate to say it, the Philippines are really a ecologically shitty country. A lot of stuff seems to happen to them, uh, not just volcanoes, but just everything in general. They get a, a ton of typhoons, tsunamis, so over the last several decades, they've had a. Aren't they? are
1: right on them. the edge of that Ring of Fire. Yeah. On that yes. side too. So. Yeah.
0: And it's a beautiful country. It's a beautiful area, and they just got the armpit of it. Hmm. Did did the at least as far as the military go? Did you see a PR change with the within the whether it be the media over there or within our government trying to spin the we were ready to invade, but actually we were just preparing to help these people out. What do you mean we were ready to invade? (laughs) (laughs) They're listening to us still. We were just that prepared to respond within six hours to a natural (laughs) disaster. (laughs) Absolutely, The United
2: States is God.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, There were seismic sensors and we knew it was going to happen so a lot of the, the hard assets like the planes and stuff like that were all off of the island a week or two beforehand. But you can't move a building can't move an airstrip can't move a base so we basically relinquished the Philippines at that point because now we've got all these aircraft carriers we can go anywhere we want we got much farther range on our airplanes and don't really need it anymore sure so and I don't know what the current uh, presence is in the Philippines but I know it's pretty minimal yeah I'm trying to think of where um because we still control Guam as right. far as I know, and that, yep. but that's closer to Japan, correct? Yep. And do we have Midway still
1: Island? really far away from Japan, but yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But Guam and Gilbert and Marshall Islands, I know we I believe we still have bases or at least control those out with their territories, but but just in case he looks it up uh, to back it up a little bit, so sorry. You you so you're, you said your dad really you know he's like hey good job you're going to the military. Uh, How would your mom react, especially oh, she after cried. being kicked out? She cried when I left to go to the Meps Center. Oh, what's Meps? Uh, military Enlistment Processing Services. Someday something? I'm going to have a like a. Chart next to me that explains what all these acronyms are. Your chart is gonna be a book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just easier to Google it. <laughs> uh, but when I went there, she she was crying and all that stuff, and I'm like, I'll be back. So uh, my dad was literally just get out of the house. You're age 18. You're gone. So, and I'm not gonna say that he was dispassionate, but he was a, a different man at that point. He was a very disciplinarian. Um, these are the rules. You're going to do it. And if you don't go to the military, you're not living here. So, w- Would you equate that to his military background? Very much so, and also the family expectations. Uh, you know, He was born in 1935, so I can't say how he was raised by my grandpa and by my grandma, but it was a different era in those Fair. days. And I got kind of some of it in the disciplinary side some of it i deserved a lot of it i didn't (laughs) but it is what it is i don't look back on it as anything better than like i said some of the best times of my life so from the time that you (coughs) signed up and i am now part of the marine corps to leaving to boot camp i mean how long did you did you have a, a couple months in between uh i like i said earlier i was in the delayed entry program with the army for 11 months did crap with them, but it was walked down the hallway and your bus leaves three days from now. So it was August 22nd that I got in and went. How, how, were you nervous or what was going through your head on oh, that God. bus ride? Oh. The, the bus ride <laughs> there wasn't so bad. It was the bus ride from San Diego Airport to Marine Corps Recruit Depot San Diego, And you get off the bus, and there are these footprints painted on the ground, and the first word out of your mouth is, sir, and the last word out of your mouth is, sir, do you understand? Yes, sir. What did you not understand? (laughs) (laughs) They put the fear of frickin' God in you, and that was their job. And that was just part of the platoon for assembly, waiting for all the people to get there over a period of about a week. And I had some really sage advice from a friend, and they said, don't be the first to do anything. I went. What do you mean? Whoever the first is to do everything is the target. So I had to piss like a motherfucker. <laughs> and this guy gets up and he says, "Can I go to the bathroom?" Oh my god! <laughs> Every sergeant, staff sergeant, gunny sergeant in that place descended upon him. And what do you not understand? The first word out here, is sir. Last word out here, sir. It's called a head, not a bathroom, not a pissy, <laughs> not a restroom. You say, <laughs> sir. Recruit blah blah. Request permission to make a head call, sir. I went, ah, that's how you do it. (laughs) After he got back from making his head call, I said, Sir, recruit Erickson. Request permission to make a head call, sir. Permission granted. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So they just tried to set the tone right out the gate. Absolutely. And again, it's the fear that they're instilling in you. And I don't know what it is about a drill instructor, but... They have a way to project their voice and their presence and a few other things, like tobacco spit, really well. <laughs> uh, what was the rest of boot camp like for you from there on out? Uh, is, it boot cam- is it boot camp or is it basically... It's, it's boot camp for okay. the Marine Corps. It's the same essential thing. It's six months of brainwash. My sister's in the Marines, and I've caught flack for calling it the wrong thing when she was visiting. <laughs> I, I got some jokes I could say that are very inappropriate for female Marines, <laughs> but <clears throat> um, it was definitely the whole break down your body, get you into shape. I got out of high school, I was 165 pounds, That was skinny, and I got out of boot camp after six months, I was 185 pounds, I'm not going to say I was a lean, mean fighting machine, but I was pretty lean, I was pretty mean, didn't know how to fight. <laughs> uh, well they, they give you like a week of here's a thing called a pugil stick which is basically a broomstick with uh, nerf ends on it and go beat the crap out of each other <laughs> I never fought that much when I was a kid one time I just kind of accidentally got in a fight with a dude's collarbone and everyone went oh he's a badass Stay away from <laughs> <that."> <laughs> I'm like lucky so you know my thing was Loved weapons, loved technology. I could have been a hell of a great sniper. Got 248 out of 250 on the firing range. Got a tap on the shoulder. I went, oh, this is so cool! I can do this! Then I looked into it, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) (laughs) What made you not want to go into the sniper school? Uh, Basically, here's three days of rations, and you'll be out there for five months. So it's the survival-ish of it, and I know that they could teach it to you, and they could do all this. And Sniper isn't just about shooting. That's the final result. It's about non-detection getting there, non-detection getting out, making sure you have the proper
1: acquisition, making sure that it is one shot, one kill. And and you're sitting there following their every footstep, twenty four seven. Wasn't oof. there uh, the the Carlos Hathcock book?
2: Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's like Marine or not Marine sniper, but um, he was a, he was a Vietnam sniper, and he like goes into detail about him sitting in in the bushes watching a target for days. He did like three days where he just belly crawled towards the target. Wow. At night, you got to
0: figure out the routine. You got to figure out where the weakness is. You got to figure out where they're not guarded, so that you can finally do what you need to do at that time. That's terrifying. It's like when you're a kid. You want to grow up and you want to be a fireman. You want to be a policeman. You know, hey, I'm in boot camp and this is all fresh and shiny and cool, and I want to be a sniper. You know, and like some other guys that were my friends, they were selected to be presidential guards. You you are the basically the color guard at the White House, and that's Mm -hmm. really cool. Uh, one of them was my assistant manager at Toyota when I worked there and I got to see all the pictures of, uh, Reagan and then Bush as president. And he said, it was hell. All you did was just shine iron and you are not a Marine. I'm like, okay. So I can see there's, uh, there's all sorts of different jobs in any military branch, None of them are any more glorious or glamorous or better than the other. They're all there. It's the little gear doing this. You know, there's the cook, there's the truck driver, there's the sniper, there's the infantryman. So you're saying it's not all Hollywood where there's a 10-minute clip of them standing around a table talking about what they're going to do and then two hours worth of combat over the course of months or years. You (laughs) saw the movie Lone Survivor. (laughs)
1: <laughs> read the book It's my all I know hard. is yeah. the fact that I couldn't do Boy Scouts for more than a year I think I would die in uh, the, uh, the army can
0: mm-hmm. you rub two sticks together and make fire
1: I, if
0: I tried hard enough maybe it works better if you put a zippo underneath it, <laughs> 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 it with the going back to the sniper school thing it, did you ever think because you know the stories that I've heard you know, snipers have some <laughs> I want to say put PTSD on a scale but some of the more Afflicted members of the military from PTSD because of the mentality of you're choosing when to end the combatant's life kind of thing. Did that ever cross your mind when you were thinking about it, or God was God. that just years bad? years later? I had a buddy, Sergeant Arturo Navarro, and he was a sniper, and he just ain't right. Uh, it is very personal, and what he's told me when you're looking down the scope, I mean, it's a very powerful scope. Oh yeah. And like you said, you are the person pulling the trigger. You know for a fact who it is that you're doing. And even though this one person could save thousands of other people's lives, it's a personal thing to take a person's life. And I've never had to do it. I don't ever want to do it. I'm actually a pacifist. And I was a Marine. But damn it, if you pull pull the first punch, I'm coming at you. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think everybody has that line, yeah. proverbial line in the sand, but there should be some way to resolve most conflicts without violence, but violence is an option, don't worry. Now if I could only go back and tell 20-year-old me that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. To go back to the boot camp, you know, mm-hmm. um, in previous episodes, uh, the guys talking they had that at least one, if not two or three memorable instructors. Was there anyone that ever, like, stuck out to you past and, you know, even now, you know, several years out that kind of remember, like, if that drill instructor wasn't there, I wouldn't be who I am today or anything like that? Or just some good stories from them? Two of them, and they're exact opposite of the spectrum. Uh, Gunny Williams was the lead drill instructor, and the most memorable thing with him... um, no, he, he would stand back, and he'd watch his sergeants do it. And he had two staff sergeants and two sergeants. At the very end of boot camp, they were passing out your assignments, what you're going to go to school for, what your military occupational skill, MOS, is going to be. And he pulled me into his office and shut the door. And I went, oh, this is not good. <laughs> so he said go like going to the principal's office exactly <laughs> i mean seriously all through boot camp you have six months of this um, after i went through they started doing uh, a breakup of it so you do three months of boot camp and then you have three months of school of infantry so everyone is a basic rifleman but i went through and it was just one six-month stint you, you got nothing off um, but if you went into that office you fucked up and you fucked up bad <laughs> so he says sit down I went, Huh. And he's got a little mini-fridge, and he pulls out a Coke and hands me a Coke. And this is the first time I've had a Coke in five and a half months. I went, uh... Something uh, must be really wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, uh, got your assignment. You're going to be motor transport. Okay. Sir? Sir, yes, sir? I was, mo- uh, I was motor transport. It's nice to have another brother with us. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is going to be a nice conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh.
0: But yeah, he... He was like the the Papa Bear kind of dude, and he really kept everything under control, and he made sure everything happened. And then on the other side of the spectrum, uh, it was Sergeant, and I cannot remember his name, but I can see his face. It's probably in my Marine Corps yearbook, and he was a dick. Oh, my God. And he was the most junior of the bunch, and I don't know what the hierarchy of it is or was, but I'm assuming he was supposed to be like the bad cop, and Gunny Williams supposed to be the good cop. (laughs) But he was the baddest of bad cops, and you know when I went into boot camp, I was expecting to come out with bruises, broken bones, get beaten, have profanities, vulgarities, be spat on. That was my expectation. It was a walk in the park, because you had all these guys that were, uh, they call them crocodile tears. They'd write their stories to their moms. Mom would go to the congressman. Congressman would try to do something, and they would change it. So they were not allowed to swear. They were not allowed to touch you. They were not allowed to do anything. But God, every one of them chewed tobacco and when they scream, that spittle comes out, and it gets in your eye, you can't flinch, and if you've ever had tobacco spit in your eye, it friggin' burns. <laughs> and they toss garbage cans down the, the barracks, and they tear up your bunk, and they do all this, but it was their job, and as long as you kept your head down, you are fine. And another great piece of sage advice, someone told me, don't ever try to be number one. Now, there's a thing called a guidon, which is basically the flag, and everyone had a chance to carry it. And Whoever at the end of boot camp, that was the squad leader. And I got it for about two days, and I dropped it. And fortunately, it wasn't the American flag. It was just our platoon 1093 flag, because if it would have been the American flag touching the ground... Oh, <laughs> Running laps. Oh, I heard stories. No, basically that kid was not seen again. <laughs> and I think it was a psychological issue again. They just probably put him into a different platoon. But, you no, know, we we know the rules that you're supposed to follow in regards to the American flag. But it hits the ground, you're supposed to destroy it and do all this. It's like, okay, yay, I'm number one. <laughs> but,
1: no. My war knowledge is pretty terrible to begin with, but, uh, I was just thinking... So you started in 88, you said, right? Correct. Yeah. August. So the fact uh, Casey, you're 30 now, right? See? Yeah, I'll be 30 next week. I don't know how... It 31. 31. I heard 88 was... God, God, I'm old. <laughs> so, every single one of us... So you started when Desert Storm basically became a thing, mm-hmm. and we've been in that same war basically our entire lives. No, no, no. We got a different name for now. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. <laughs> but what is your viewpoints on this? Uh, all of us have been in this one single basically thing our entire lives. Like, what is your viewpoint? Well, the Russians
0: did so well with the whole Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran thing. So, God, why don't we just have the Americans come in and do it, too? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I, I, I
2: heard a quote somewhere, and I think, I think it's very applicable, is if you want to... Uh, have a never-ending war invade Afghanistan. Like, the the Russians did it and couldn't figure out how to make that stop because, I guess, like, the mountainous terrain or stuff, they just go into holes and you're just like, okay, I guess we're here now? (laughs) Forever?
0: Absolutely, and we're completely out of our league when it comes to that because this is their native land. They Mm -hmm. know everything and I'm not going to call them a bunch of uh, sheep herders or goat herders or whatever but that is a popular occupation it, it, and when you're going up fast, and down those mountains it,
1: it, it fascinates me, I've had uh, many of my friends his parents have been in the armies and, and air force and everything too throughout my life and everything But my like personal you
0: know. view, were we ever asked to come
1: in and do it is that every single time too? <laughs> pretty much <laughs> Um uh you know, yeah, all we've ever known is basically we're still good. I I don't really care anymore because it happens every day. Well, yeah, and are they were desensitized and to it. I don't
0: know for Casey Matt, I don't know what it was like for you guys when you're in well, elementary school. I mean we never really talked about war except yeah. maybe touch base on the Civil War in yep. the revolutionary course. But then middle school, high school, it was those same wars. You talked about World War Two, World War One briefly. Uh barely touch on Vietnam other than, well, it happened. Yeah, There was really no talk about Desert Storm ever.
1: I think I maybe heard it once or twice, yeah. and I knew it because my friend's dad's or stuff were in there. And it
0: kind of put in my mind that Desert Storm is so far forgotten that it doesn't... And
1: then Black Hawk Down finally came down. And... Yep,
0: and then all of a sudden it's 9-11, yeah. and then a few months later, we're in Iraq, and that's when it started to really get yeah, like, home oh, for me. Oh, we
1: are actually, this is a thing.
0: Yeah, the main thing to remember about Desert Storm too is that uh, it was Kuwait had been invaded by Iraq. If I'm correct on this one, Saddam Hussein. Yep, was Hus- Hus- Hussein
2: uh, invaded. Uh, yeah,
0: Kuwait. And for that conflict, we got asked to be in there because the United Nations said we need help. That's my memory. I could be wrong, but. We went in there and we really kicked ass. It was in, out, done. And if we would have had 20 more minutes, we would have actually had Saddam Hussein because we were supposed to be, we stopped right on the doorstep of Baghdad. We would have had the bastard. We would have never had part two, part three, part four, et cetera, ad nauseum. Uh, (laughs) But uh, United Nations said, okay, you need to stop right here. General Schwarzkopf was in charge of i don't know how many countries of military forces at that point and did exactly the right thing at exactly the right time and was phenomenal they rewrote the textbooks on desert warfare and tank battles because of how things happened and they were very afraid of it being another vietnam nobody wants that so they just went in did their shit and got it done then okay now it becomes a political it becomes a we're going to have sanctions we're going to do this we're going to do that which led up to all the rest of it and I think now they call it what the war on terror wasn't yeah. that yeah. the term I feel Under like that yeah. George W. Bush yeah. that, that name has
2: kind of just gone away and it's just still gets used the war for oil, oil. Yeah, well, the, you know, the 20-year war or whatever yeah. <laughs> whatever year we're in now.
0: Right? And I was talking to uh, another gentleman up by me um, who, like you, he never... He, he said he was literally in line to get orders, and five minutes before he got there, he was told the the sergeant or her, uh, CO that he was talking to, said, yeah, five minutes ago we were told to stop sending people overseas. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes after he left that, they started sending more people yeah. over there. And it's... I, oh, it's... Shit show, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Uh, when I was in Okinawa, I was originally supposed to be there for one year, and I let's see, I got out of boot camp February of 89. I can't remember when Desert Storm started because it started as Desert Shield 91. I want to say 91. Uh, I was 2nd of
2: August 1990 through the 17th of January 91 was uh Operation
0: Desert Shield, okay. So when I was in Okinawa, I had all the Desert Shield stuff, and it's kind of wrapping up, and I'm getting toward the end of my one year, and the shit hit the fan, and Desert Storm started up, and that's when they said, okay, everyone's frozen, currently in station, and they extended my contract in Okinawa for another year, and I went... Oh gosh darn, I'm with Base Motor Transport. We have white trucks not camouflage trucks. <laughs> <clears throat> Plus you get to be around amazing food in Okinawa. Oh, oh I know, I miss the Yakitori yakisoba, all the sushi. Oh man, you've never had some poor like over there. Um, and I went scuba diving and I had a driver's license and everyone's like, you have a car? Not yet, but you're gonna buy me one. I got a RX-7. It was cool. Um, So, yeah, that's what wind up kind of happening as well. I was supposed to go to I don't know where because I hadn't gotten my orders yet, but it was coming right down to the last month. Oh, great, you know, whatever. You're frozen. Just like it is now still. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) So for my four-year contract, you're never supposed to spend, as a single, unaccompanied, enlisted person, you spend a year. And then if you're uh, a married, accompanied person, I think it was a three-year tour of whatever station, but you also had to do a minimum of a six-year contract, I did a four-year contract, and then I had four years after that as an inactive reserve. So if more shit hit the fan, they'd call me up. But uh, <clears throat> it <laughs> um, But yeah, it, I don't know. It's just, I was there. I had fun. <laughs> I mean, after you graduated boot camp, how much time did you have to sit around before they said you're going to Okinawa? 30 days and I knew where I was going before, well actually boot camp um, you had to go to your specialty school, the truck driving stuff for me, but the great thing was is that it was February of 89 that I graduated boot camp and I got a certified letter or I got FedEx or something delivered to me. And and it's an airplane ticket to Florida, where my parents are going to meet me for vacation. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, game
1: on. Get so, kicked out of the house, now I get to go have vacation with them? Exactly. <laughs>
0: so for a month after boot camp, because I was in the military, my dad had went like, uh, okay, you're He's doing, doing something. something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> doing something with my life. And, uh, dude, spent a great week. I think we went to Hollywood, Florida. Which, I'm like, I just came from Hollywood. I'm called a Hollywood Marine, and I'm going to Hollywood. (laughs)
1: Didn't even get to go to Disneyland.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, and then um, motor transport school. Funny thing is, I didn't even have a driver's license. So here I'm going to be a truck driver in the Marine Corps, and I don't have a driver's license. So I've got essentially three weeks to go past my driver's test. <laughs> <laughs> so how is the DMV like? Because here in Hudson, Wisconsin, they're not known for their for their,
1: uh, their speed promptness. and processing. Yes, I it think was, that's a universal DMV type thing. But yeah,
0: well, I mean, twenty years, it was out. Thirty out years, ways.
1: Ago. it was like months, and you had
0: to have a civilian driver's license to even qualify for it. But I went in there. Well, they
1: put you into that thing and you don't oh, even. I. It's <laughs> not I, a credential. Hey, can I see your ID quick? Yeah, no, exactly. they didn't even ask.
0: <laughs> my my dad, of course, because I don't have dry residence, my dad took me out to the Shoreview testing station. I think it was Shoreview. Doesn't matter. Top 35W96 or something like that. And we go in there and I said, Look, I'm home on leave. I'm going to be going to California in the Marine Corps and I have to have a driver's license so they put me on like a short list if someone canceled theirs like the next day I got a phone call so now I never had driven a car before in my life (laughs) 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 or crashed one either sorry Gwen um and went in there, and my dad's 1976 LTD Crown Victoria <laughs> boat. <laughs> That's not a boat. It's a boat. I drove a 94 Cadillac Sedanville. That's a boat. Okay, you got me on that one. <laughs> We could have both driven a mm-hmm. Suburban and had shorter vehicles. Right. You know? <laughs> but uh, the only hard part was parallel parking. Got it the first try. Was really close, but got it. And here's your driver's license. Okay, cool. And a, a stupid thing was, I was actually more afraid of not getting that driver's license than anything else at that time, because if I didn't, my contract is null and void, and I'm in violation of blah, 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 and I'd get blah, blah. So there was still that fear of the Marine Corps. I got over that. Is there a backup plan for if that were to happen? Like, well, if you don't have a driver's license, yes, you did violate the following. Is it you're going to military prison or is it we're changing your orders and you now go to wherever? At the time, I thought it was firing squad, you know, but in reality, <laughs> oh, I'm great. sure it would have been we'll find you a different job or you're on base. So yeah. don't worry about it. We did a lot of training off base, a lot of driving off base. I, I don't know. Fortunately, I got lucky enough not to have to worry about it. So you said you went to Okinawa. Correct. So what what was it like when you first arrived there? Incidentally, I got another 30 days paid vacation after my school before I went to Okinawa. So here I am out of boot camp, get 30 days, go to school, get another 30 days. And they didn't charge it against you. So, I mean, you accrue a certain amount of leave as you're in. Sure. But it's free vacation. I'm getting paid. Sweet. <laughs> you get what? Obviously, Okinawa and Japan, I mean, they run completely different than we do here in the States. Oh, absolutely. Was there a bit of a culture shock at first? Horribly. or were, Because you're on base and you're kind of around similar people like mentality, I guess, lack of better words. We assembled in California and we partied our butts off. I mean, as long as you were on base, 18 years old, you could drink. And the law was 21 at that point. And... Uh, beer? Don't mind if I do. <laughs> uh, um, but we went out and it was Oceanside, California that the, the, the school was just outside of. It was uh, Marine Corps Station Del Mar. And Ocean, Oceanside is kind of a shit city. It's called Ocean Slime as a joke. And I don't know if you remember the old commercials of uh, Miller Lite. Taste great, less filling. It was filmed at a bar there, and I visited. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, top Gun, where he's on the motorcycle, and Kelly McGillis is chasing him in the Volkswagen. Those hills Beautiful. were Oceanside. Um, I can't believe
1: they're making it out. <sighs> don't get me
0: started so on terrible. that. terrible. But what's horrible is the F-14 Tomcat was decommissioned. I don't know how long ago. And they had to take <laughs> one out of mothballs, and they were made by the Grumman airplane company.
1: A uh, couple of. So they just didn't adapt with the times there, or something, or I think no. they lost the contract.
0: It was considered to be uh, unupgradable technology because they had the sweep wing, and it was one of the fastest fighter jets at the time. I think it could do Mach 1.1 or something, something like, like that. Something like that, yeah. And it's a really awesome kick-ass plane, but the uh, F-15 was more upgradable because of the fact that it had fixed wings. You could put payload underneath it. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do without
1: them? Tom Scarrett? I think he passed away. He's not in the movie this year. Uh, that's not even going. <laughs> the whole thing. That's yeah. just like the main, the main guy that was above. So, them. get to Okinawa,
0: and uh, if you've never been to Japan, it is culture shock. And as long as you stay on base, it's America. Well, if and, you're in Okinawa, it's America. Oh, God, no. No. You didn't live in Japan for a year. When I mm-hmm. had my driver's license, I went 20, 30 miles away. That was... Okinawa.
1: Yeah, that I. Farmers. It was a breath of fresh air when I went to Okinawa. I lived up in Sasebo, where and okay. also a Navy base there. And uh, yeah, I went to Nagasaki all the time to teach English in Fukuoka a bunch too. But yeah, when I finally went there, I'm like, oh my God, there's an A and W here. Yes. Wait what? At McDonald's, yes, and McDonald's, and you can actually order a smile. Yeah. Okinawa is very westernized okay. compared to anywhere else. You can order a smile on the menu. They actually had like the. It's really fun item. going to McDonald's in uh, Japan. They have completely different menu items, and they're really good. There's a shrimp because, yeah. sandwich there. There's uh, different fried chicken sandwiches. I Lots know of teriyaki.
0: I used to know a little <clears> bit more, but I can do basic commands and numbers in Japanese. But there's no
1: R. In the Japanese
0: language, the R the is R the R L sound. and the D.
1: The L and D, R, L, D is one syllable. So oh, remember, there's tons I, of R's. Have you ever
0: heard a Japanese person speak English? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Team America.
1: <laughs> you call that way?
0: <laughs> but uh, Baskin Ray? Robbins, they had to change up a lot of the different menu. There's items a lot of Baskin and and Robbins like there
1: too. Yeah. yeah, they just call them 31s there.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. do, no flavors or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, that was, uh, that I was very happy to come back to America when I went down to Okinawa, actually, oh, just because being in actual Japan was like...
0: <gasps> so I'm trying to remember the main base. I think it was Camp Smedley D. Butler is okay. where, where I was at, and then across the street was another headquarters base. Uh, to the south, you had Geiger and Marine Corps Air Station Fatema. Uh, to the north, you had Hansen Schwab, uh, Is Northern. Is that many bases there? Well, oh, there was at one time like nine.
1: I stayed in a hostel in the Yonkacho there, that arcade or whatever, the big shopping area. Oh, yeah, that's over by Kadena, wasn't it? Probably. Kadena Air Force Base, outside Gate 2. I don't know. I flew into Okinawa and then found a hostel somewhere there. Well, so you might I, have even been down to Naha. I, Naha. There okay, you go. Naha. That's it. Yep. Oh, I yep. love Naha. Yeah. And then uh, the oh, we rented a car and went to the Okinawa uh, Aquarium, which was fucking amazing. That was really cool. But yeah, the Yonkacho, all the food that's there and all the... Oh, yeah. And it's so
0: cheap. It's so affordable. Mm-hmm. It's so quality. And we
1: were right next to the temple, too, that big red... Red Temple that's up on now the hill. now. I'm hungry. I don't mm-hmm. again. Okinawa is really fucking. <sighs> at least cool. we're not talking about Dominoes. This it was like, it was that <laughs> Okinawa is like going to Hawaii, but with more cultural flair to it. Well, like... Okinawa is to Japan what
0: Hawaii is yep. to America, yep. and it yep. started turning into an educational island. Um, God, I want to say in the '90s because they gave Camp Geiger back to the local nationals. It used to be originally an air or, uh, air base, and then they built Fatema, so there's just one long strip down the whole thing, which was the air strip, and they had all these barracks that they turned into the, um, what do you call it where students live? The well, um, barracks, dormitories. dormitories. Thank yeah. you. It turned them into dormitories, <laughs> and then they had all these different schools and stuff on there, and it's also controlled, since it's gated, yeah, so right, they don't have to worry right. about it. So Okinawa became kind of a, a, an education island but it is literally like the equivalent of hawaii yeah, to us yep. and as long as you're on the west side on the on the east china sea the scuba diving is
1: phenomenal no, I never got to the weather was absolute shit every day I was there you like, got to go back I would love to. Yeah. Oh, you got to! <laughs> it, it, it really is some of the most beautiful stuff in the world. But on the east side, on
0: the Pacific Ocean side, that's the side that we invaded from. All the coral reefs were destroyed. Everything is just absolutely mm. just non-existent. So is Naha on the east then? Naha is the very far south and slightly west. Okay. And they've also got a place there called Suicide Cliff, yep. where when people were uh, when we were invading Okinawa there were so much rumors and uh, false uh, Propaganda. Propaganda, thank you, of the local nationals, of what we as Americans would do to them, the Japanese, mm-hmm. that they jumped over the cliff. Wow. And it's just piles of bones, and it's very eerie. Uh, out of respect, they did have to go visit it, and I don't think I'll ever do that again. Hmm. So It's my understanding, um, I study martial arts, it's based out of southern Okinawa, mm-hmm they're not overly fond of being associated with the japanese mainland and they're really not fond of us still having a military base there no they don't want any of our military bases yeah. there at all yeah i mean did was that culture the same when you were over there oh yeah oh yeah did was there any animosity towards you or is that reserved like we understand you're just here doing your job we don't like the people in
1: charge as just being an american living in japan yep. when i was there too it was because I was in, so Sasebo, there's a Navy base there, so it's been there for frickin' ever. But uh, even if you're in Nagasaki or Hiroshima, there's two very different viewpoints on how the war went down. But yeah, you get stink eyes in the street just being an American with an old person walking right by them. Like, Did you ever notice that a lot of the local nationals would give you the peace sign? I guess, I but
0: it really wasn't the peace sign no rumor was the we owe you finger. two. ah uh-huh. Oka,
1: you yeah. know Nagasaki yeah. and Hiroshima I guess like, I never really noticed yeah I, cause you know it, they didn't do it like that they did it like that backwards ok so yeah that'd be like open ended but that's yeah, yeah. Yes. And I, it's just what I heard and what my belief had been, but it kind of made sense. I guess, yeah, I never really noticed it. I mean, we're <clears throat> already like 20 some years apart there, okay. and that, so that might have gone away by this time. <laughs> well, but, I tell you, But yeah. I did know in my day. I did notice, <laughs> 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 I almost said that. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that while I was there, there was a lot of times where it was like, what are you doing? This is 99.9% Japanese. What are you doing in my area right, right. now? I've noticed that a lot when I was there.
0: And if you were anywhere near base, Uh, When you went straight out of base, everything was a bar, a restaurant, going to take the GI's money. And you would be in a mile or two range of that. Yes, that mindset was very clear that this is our country and we hate you, which is the reason why I would go into the middle of Okinawa, northern areas, get into the country areas, go scuba diving and up there. They were very gracious, as long as you behaved yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple incidences where Marines were dumbasses and they raped a couple local nationals. Tell you what. Uh, think of the worst jail in the United States, and you would be begging to go there because Japanese take that kind of a crime extremely mm-hmm. seriously. And they have uh, jurisdiction because it was off base. Right? Sure. And the United States military, especially the Marine Corps, would go like we're done. You know what? They did it. That's Um, their own fault? Exactly. You deal with them. (laughs) They're an adult, even though they're 18 or 19 or whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, You're responsible for your own actions and that had happened while I was there. Uh, None of us, none of us would say one good word about the three guys that did it and it was one young lady and it was just despicable. So Etiquette is a huge thing in our culture. Did they kind of let you slide a little bit? Because you're American. Even when you went up into the the rural more areas where they're like, hey, thanks for coming up here. I don't know, because I behaved myself. Um, I was there, like I said, for two and a half years. And one of the first things I wanted to do was pick up on the language. And I still know Aksamio and "Ohio Ohaogazimasu and Doitoimushite. What's Aksamio? Aksamio is like, oh, I fucked up. (laughs) No.
1: <laughs> I had not. I did not have to use that <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> Pardon me. Like, if you're passing someone and you bump into them in the restroom, aksamio. <laughs> no, that'd be sumimasen.
1: Oh, yeah, what's well, say? God dang it. <laughs> Dude, it's been since 19. <laughs> I fucked up. I ran into you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, yeah. sumimasen. I'm sorry. Sumimasen. I've used that so many fucking times. Because that's sumi-ma-sen. one of the things that we studied sumi-ma-sen.
0: is... I mean, the the tea ceremony, for mm-hmm. example, very etiquette based, and you have to do certain, certain yeah, things. Yeah, I got. But I, I mean, do they kind of give you a little bit of those. leniency? Like, <sighs> he's an American; he's just a big dumb hairless ape. We're a gonna. A lot of the people that I met, um, I did a lot of exploring, and you could go through a farmer's field, and then all of a sudden, this road would go down, and there's this perfect, pristine, never been on beach, and that's what I was aiming for. But if you just did it, you're a dick. So you had to find whose farm it was, and you had to do this, and you had to bow a lot, and you had to uh, try doing it, and that's what I did. So I didn't really encounter anything bad. If I would have just simply driven through and done it, I'm sure it would have been a different story. Uh, I thank my dad for proper upbringing, but um, no, I, I you know, uh, you're asking the wrong guy. I hate to say it because I didn't sure. behave. Yeah. Uh, again, it was also the fear of the Marine Corps at the time you fuck up, and you're... You're gone. Yeah. I was with a lot of
1: disrespectful people when I was there, too, when I was at the camps and stuff, and it was just like, they kind of did whatever, and I'd just be sitting in the background doing the right thing. Like, I'm respecting cultural,
0: like, you know. And I wish we had more of that here in America, Yeah. yeah. quite
1: honestly, because... Well, all those kids over there, they're raised completely to be that way. Like, yes. Yeah. There's, respect there's your elders. Respect. not a lot of respect here. Huh. Not but again, in Japan, though, it also takes it to another level, and it's kind of like, why the fuck are you doing this? Like, Well, it's not to the
0: point of if you give someone the finger, they're going to cut your finger off. That's true. You know. Oh, that fucking hurts. But uh, yeah, for us, they warned us if you wanted to be drunk, if you wanted to be rude, stay on base. We would get a, a taxi and we would go to the air force base. They had a phenomenal bowling alley there. They had a great Mexican restaurant, and you could do everything on base. And you got another American looking at you like, oh, it's a dumb Marine, you know. <laughs> so it didn't matter. But when you went
1: off base, yeah, there were the. Uh, I what made do they call a fool them? out of myself numerous times, but. No, that was only for myself. Like, I hmm. never.
0: did. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if they call them juicy girls or squishy girls or something. Girls, Filipinos. No. The, the Philippine bar? Filipino bars? They had bars everywhere, mm-hmm. and you had to buy these girls drinks, and you had to...
1: And they would not do anything with you, ever. No, but you thought they would. Yeah. That's the whole... They're, they're... Matt seems disappointed. When I was... It was... <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, he tried. They're called Filipino bars now, or okay. whatever. Yeah, it's just some hot girl. You're just paying for her company to drink with you. And, no, 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 no. And no, they no. won't even drink... They aren't even drinking the same amount as you, either. They're not drinking. Yeah. I they have their she own She went special up, and she bottle. went to the bathroom, and yep. it was Sprite. Yep. I'm like, you bitch. Yep. And you go to these places, the old, dirtiest men ever you can imagine are sitting at this fucking bar just buying these drinks and hanging out with these fucking girls and stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is a culture <laughs> thing. Wow. And then I found a stuff called uh,
0: soju or mojo. Mo- soju would be Korean like sake. And okay, what was the one that was like a fruit punch? Soju mojo. Ooh, I don't know about that. You could buy a t-shirt that had the recipe on it. <laughs> and you would get a picture of I don't this know stuff. about that one, huh? It was yummy. <laughs> and you got about halfway through the pitcher, and you decided you had to go pee, and you'd stood up, and you're like, where'd my legs go? <laughs> it was good. Sounds uh, like my 21st. My,
1: my favorite memories about Japan are going to the yakitoris, like the sit-down restaurant type of things with all your best friends. You order just big, giant beers, mm-hmm. and you go and pass them out around there. You start doing sake bombs. You order a bunch of appetizer, tapas, anything you want. Like, yeah, that's, that's my favorite, pano- favorite like, memory of Japan. What were the restaurants that had, like, the little hibachi in the middle of the table and you oh my there god! there and you freaking cooked the your food? The best places ever. <gasps> I did not know those were a thing back then. Still, Was oh, it still pay by the hour, too, at that time? Uh, pay by the hour, pay by the plate. Yep, so uh, it's Tabe hodai or Nome oh <sighs> Habe is you pay 30 bucks you get to eat as much as you want for two like 20 bucks basically something like that so and I'm then, uh, you Japan. you add no mehodai on there which is you drink as much as you want for that nuts. so it's like <laughs> so it's like 35 to 40 bucks for two hours of eating non-stop eating, non-stop drinking the whole entire Clearly time. not enough Wisconsin. And every, going time, <laughs> every time you walk into those places and they see American walk in there, you just see them kind of go like, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. yeah, Naha had a really, really freaking good one. Uh, a lot of the ones when I was in like uh, the Fukuoka area, they actually served your table, but the one that was downtown Okinawa Naha, they're... Uh, you walk in, you sit down at your table and then you just go up to a wall of meat. Yes. And you're like, I want some of this, I want some of this, I want some of this. This is my you new favorite throw phrase it on and- wall of meat. Yep. It was literally <laughs> a wall of fucking meat. The next porn video And basically, <laughs> Well, not <too> much, <laughs> Basically, then. they just serve you the sauces that you dip stuff in, and they're like, are you doing good on drinks? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the other thing I loved over there was Shabu Shabu, and that was also a pay-by-the-hour type of thing, and you have this hot thing of boiling oil water type thing, and you take a piece of meat, and you're like, Shabu Shabu. It's the sound that it makes, like, Shabu Shabu. And then it's, like, cooked, and you start eating, you <laughs> dip it in everything. Yep. So I hate to They're say They're big and onomatopoeias over there. I, I,
0: uh, I was a technician with Toyota for 13 years, and they tried to figure out a new way to deliver the primer onto the body shell before they painted <laughs> them. <laughs> And it was a shabu-shabu
1: bath. <laughs> Those are restaurants in Japan. Shabu-shabu restaurants. So, the sound when something hits boiling water and oil. Shabu-shabu.
0: For more tourist information in Japan, Japanese. Yeah, this, this kind of forward. turned into
1: a Japanese tourist video, right? Sorry. Yeah, the one where we were by, it was called like MK or something or whatever. And yeah, shabu. I, I was like, this seems like the dumbest place. Ever and then somebody convinced me to go there. I'm like sitting around the table. Oh, you actually pick up the meat. Oh, it's perfect. Yes. It when
0: we get off the air, uh, remind me to tell you about this restaurant <laughs> here in the Twin Cities. <laughs> but anyway, where were we? To put the train. Cultural shock. Yeah. To, to put the train back on the tracks. Um, you, you said you you did a lot of exploring. You went scuba diving and such. I mean, was that? And you only drove. <sighs> you said for a few months of your total career. You'd say, was it? Pretty much over a four-year Wait. period, I maybe did a total of six months, and that was including when I got back here to the states, where I was a commanding uh, officer's driver, and I drove a Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> <laughs> how much downtime did you have when you were over there, and a lot. when you weren't it, when you weren't off exploring? How much of that did you have to spend on base? I, well, Corey sent me uh, before Corey, Josh, Benny came on for episodes two and three. He sent me a link, and it was uh, kind of a a spoof on modern warfare where they're giving the real military experience, air quotes, uh, and it's just a bunch of guys standing around the fob doing paperwork. <laughs> I mean, did you have a lot of that, or did, was it more of, well, today we need to get X, Y, and Z done? I had an eight-hour job, and once it was done, you were free. Um, actually, when I was a dispatcher, we did four tens. Uh, so, God, how did the hell did that work out? No, we actually did three days on four days off revolving somehow it's been a long time forgive me but I remember I had just insane weekends with a bunch and I would go visit the historical sites I would go visit Peace Park I would go visit um, the temples I would visit everything possible I just before I even was in the Marine Corps I was enthralled with Japanese culture for years beforehand uh, because of the propriety because of the the mannerisms because of the history because of the culture and I loved it and now here I am living it and it wasn't even really Japan like he had said it's a very Americanized westernized version of Japan but it was cool to me. Uh, Did you ever get time to go up to the mainland and kind no. of explore that? Unfortunately I would have had to take leave and in order to do that get a flight and to do everything else it is one of my bucket lists. Items to go to actual Tokyo. I do not want to see Nagasaki. I don't want to see Hiroshima. Um, I might go to Yokohama. I heard that's a really great town to go visit, but I would like to do it for a month. You know, just really delve into it. We can talk off here, but I make a really good Sherpa oh. if you need a travel partner. Oh, okay, so you're carrying <laughs> my bags, is what you're saying. Yeah, cool. Because there's a lot of sake coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, even all the habu in it. I work for food and liquor, so. <laughs> habu sake? Habu sake! Uh, but uh, downtime sake. Like, that's kind of where I'm at right <laughs> yeah. now I've got some really how awesome late sake. is Akita open
1: <laughs> it's only 825 8, we can still go get sake alright uh, sorry we
0: gotta wrap this up right now but we're leaving we'll be back next week um, but yeah I was not a combat unit uh, it was I was base uh we did the... behind did you have to do field exercises? Not being in an active combo, combat Never. zone? Never. Once a year, we'd go to the firing range. We'd go bang, bang. Rain, rain, was it range week or range day? Range okay. day. Uh, they gave you an entire week to go practice and whatnot like that. I was the company clerk, and I was in charge of signing people up for it. So it's like, okay, we need to have you qualified on the AT4. I'm signed up for that. Uh, AT4 is an anti-tank generation 4... It's a disposable, fire and forget fiberglass missile deal. I won't say anymore. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just like okay. Uh, what's, the, what's the declassified timeline? Fifty years? Seventy five? years? Oh, it's just uh, <laughs> don't know what you are talking about. <laughs> but they're non technology. It's just you shoot the thing, and if it hits what you're aiming at, it's just like a bullet. Um, they're fun. I got to play around with stuff, and the best was Ma Deuce, the fifty cal. Oh God. That thing fires so nice. I've I've seen them in action. I haven't gotten to fire one. Apparently down so south of us in uh, where's um up, 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 the ski re- place Afton Afton Afton. There we go. Apparently in the summers they have a day where people just bring out all sorts of different guns and toys that you can just shoot in the mountainside. That'd be fun. Yeah, and you pay X amount and here's your gun rental and then here's ammunition costs Y. Um, but one of the guys, I was looking at videos, and one of the guys he had a modus Deuce out there, mm-hmm. and I'd like to shoot one of those. They are very, very fun. Absolutely. Uh, the other one was the saw, the seven six two. Um, you would shoot so many rounds through that thing that the the barrel would start to glow, and you had these asbestos gloves and asbestos uh, pot holders, and you would take that thing off and you put another barrel on and go right back to it. It's like, cool. Um, and because it was the Marine Corps, they definitely encouraged weapon proficiency. If it wasn't within your realm of responsibility, they still had no problem with, here's the range. What do you want to shoot? So Would you say that's because mm-hmm. if you were in a combat situation, you might need to know that? It's in the Marine kind of Corps, triggered. every single person is a basic rifleman. And I forget who the uh, commandant was at one point, but he wanted to put the M-16s into the fighter jets. And if you know anything about an F-18, there's not a lot of space for an M-16. It ain't going to happen. God, can't remember his name. Old age. It sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, every single, pardon the expression, swinging dick is a basic rifleman. If you have to come down to it, you know the commands, you know the drills, you are supposed to be proficient, and they encourage keeping it up. I had no problem doing it, because quite honestly, under a controlled circumstance, with the proper instruction, a firearm can be good entertainment. It's when you get some person who's not trained or doesn't know. I've had fun with firearms. Yeah, (laughs) proverbial cowboys, if you'll shoot from the hip. Right. And in... Oh, my God. Back to boot camp. They did have the... M60 and they were doing the from the hip stuff just to demonstrate to us with the chain feed off to the side that thing would just go straight up in the air from the recoil from it and it's the Rambo stuff is bullshit. What? You, you mean not every Marine can shoot from the hip like Rambo? Yes, one we handed can. One-handed and holding the belt of ammo in the other hand? Well, I don't know what the Charlie Sheen movie was where it was a parody of Rambo. Oh, is it Hot, Sh- Hot Shots like, Part Deuce or something? Yeah, it yeah. might have been. And he's all like lathered yeah, up. And bow and arrow with a rubber chicken. Yes! Yeah. And he's doing the ba 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 yep. ba and he's up to his knees in shells, and then up to his hips in oh, actually it's brass not shells, but uh, you know it's just no, ain't gonna happen. But what if you yell like while you're doing it? Then it might work. Nah, nah, oh, no. Well, then you're storming. I know how <laughs> that <laughs> works. That I can speak on. That Naruto I'll I'll run.
3: run. Jesus <laughs> <laughs>
0: No. Stay away from Area 51. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so while you're over there, I mean, obviously today in 2019 we have the technology. You can Facetime. You can call. You can email and stuff. Uh, did you? find it easy or difficult to keep in touch with family back here stateside? Did you care to? That? That's actually a good way to put it. Um, my mom, yes, my dad, he can go blankety blank blank. Well, and everybody wrote at that time, too. so. It was oh, a, yeah. yeah. Postcards, letters. Uh, once a week, I'd get a three-page essay from my mom. And in my mindset, it actually did more harm than good because it was my heart would now go back home instead of focusing on my job or whatever, and she was just doing it out of love, and I would write back, and I'm like, hey, you know, today we did this and uh, this, that, or the other. The thing she really understood was that I wasn't in combat. Like, you've had a couple of very seasoned uh, combat veterans on here, and I got the utmost respect for them, because they did shit that I couldn't even imagine doing. And here I am, a, a truck driver and a company clerk and in charge of the maintenance shack and a dispatcher. You know, I'm, I'm the paper pusher because I figured out I had a brain. And it's like, I, I wanted to be a Marine, you know, go kick butt, go shoot people, go do whatever. But at the same time, you know, many, many, many years later, I'm very glad that I didn't. Because I don't have the PTSD. Do you feel any it's regret? Kind of bittersweet or? that
1: they realize that you had a brain too, actually. Oh. <laughs> and they
0: keep finding this shit out too. Uh, it, it, it is there is regret. I real I when Desert Storm came up, I volunteered, but who needs a base motor transport truck driver over there? I would have been running supplies into the mess hall. Essentially, would have been my position, and I didn't have any combat Experience. I didn't have any tactical um, extraction, like a truck gets stuck. What do you do? And after I left Okinawa, I came back to uh, Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, and I did actually transport ammunition. I was supposed to be a driver instructor, and when I got there, they pencil whipped the orders and said, No, we need you at the School of Infantry. They have a need for a truck driver. And I went, Cool, I <laughs> think.
1: Okay. after you've just lived in Japan for a year. <laughs> oh, two and a half years.
0: I've talked to a couple guys kind of in the same boat where they didn't serve in combat, and you know they came home from where, I, I can't remember, uh, Kiko, I'll have to ask you again. Um, but it was a non-combat deployment, and he comes back, and people, he, of course, he's in his BDUs, or uh, camis. fatigues, camis. I'll get right someday. <laughs> the stupid thing <laughs> is, is, they're all the exact same, yeah. and every branch has a different right. name. And I for catch them. flack for it, but and I would actually go to the Air Force base and buy theirs because they were him, People would come up to him and <laughs> shake his hand like, "Thank you for your service." He goes, "Well, I don't really feel like a vet because I wasn't there." I mean, do you kind of, not to project? Uh, do you kind of do you find yourself in that same boat? Very much so. Uh, there's a lot of different places that offer veteran discounts and veteran this and veteran that. Um, and I've got a veteran ID card in my wallet, but do I ask for it? No. That, do I have veteran plates on my car? you damn right. <laughs> I'm proud of the fact that I served, and I firmly believe every person in this country should serve a two-year or three-year uh, enlistment just because it's your effing country. You should be willing to do something for it. But at the same time, do I think that I earned any special behavior, special whatever. Dude, there's freaking combat vets out there that are missing things that have got night terrors that are just... Those are the guys that earned it. When there's a a purple parking spot somewhere and if I don't see a person that looks like a vet or something like that, I'm like, what you doing? (laughs) You know, seriously. Where were you? What you got? But, yeah, I... There, there, I don't want to call it remorse. I don't want to call it regret, but I could have done more, if that
1: makes sense. Yeah. But then again, you couldn't do more because they didn't place you there either. So. True.
0: True. Is there an option to request that? Like, could you, in theory, back then, go on driving a truck here in Okinawa? But I would feel better if I was driving supplies in a combat zone. Yep. Right up until the orders got frozen. Uh, once you were stationed in place, you're done. And then when they had the option to volunteer for Desert Storm did that but again i'd already been for a year as base transport and it's like okay great uh, someone needs to do paperwork over there too (laughs) i I can guard the okay maybe not
2: (laughs) so uh you you were saying earlier that um normally like a single enlisted man like one one year at a at a spot right at that time
0: um how did you end
2: up two and a half years then? Just because
0: orders were frozen? or Exactly. Okay. Uh, Desert Shield was in place while I was there for my first year. And then when it became an actual hot conflict zone, everyone was just frozen in place because it makes it easier for the Marine Corps not to have to worry about shuttling people everywhere, not to get them reassigned, not to okay. have them learn a new job. You're doing what you've done. You've been doing it well or acceptable. I'll tell you a story about a... <laughs> uh, uh, my exo wrote this great review of a guy. Um, but everyone worldwide in the Marine Corps just said, you're there, you're there for the term or the duration of this conflict. So I don't know where I was supposed to go after that. It could have been Europe, could have been United States, could have been hell, but... I enjoyed the fact I was in Okinawa. Right? I mean there's worse places to be stuck. Yeah, right. They're really and a stupid thing is is a lot of my buddies that were in the infantry called it the rock. They absolutely fucking hated it because all they were constantly doing is training. And it's a subtropical climate. So, it's like the weather we're having right now. So it's it's hot, 72, it's humid. sunny, nice breeze coming off the lake. And the bay, beach pretty, is gorgeous. Be just, there's yeah. a smell of coconut oil. Way worse than here though, too. <laughs> right. Um, but it was it was a matter of what you were uh, experiencing at the time. And I tell you what, I pulled the freaking golden ring on that one. Yeah, you definitely did. So I got no regrets. But um, the, the one beer festival down in Naha really started to love Kirin. That was a great beer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was my hardest thing about coming from hanging out with all these guys down here and how much beer we actually drank and going to Japan. It was like... Budweiser, Heineken, uh, uh, Asahi, and Kirin, and Sapporo. Those are it. Then every now and then you'd go to some fancier little grocery store and they'd be like, oh, here's this beer from Hawaii that might have a little bit of hops in it. Ooh, some no. Kona. All right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it wasn't even Kona. I don't Big even wave. know what it is. But yeah, there was a lot of, like, uh, their their crafts would be, like, these Belgian-y kind of things. Yep. Or... Uh, uh, the blacks, like Asahi Black, and uh, I was like, "This is heaven right now" because it is not Asahi, <laughs> and it had just that little ounce of flavor extra.
0: But there is something to be said for Budweiser in Japan because we had a laundry well, the lady race is right there for him. Exactly, but we, we had a laundry lady, and her name was Mama San because she treated everyone like mama. Mm-hmm. And I would slip her Budweiser all the time. Uh, Off-topic question: San, I thought San was the male. No. Son point. is like a... Uh, term like of respect. respect. Okay, yep. yeah. Okay. Which is really fun when your name is Eric-son. mato <laughs> So it's Eric-son-son. <laughs> yeah, right? So I started learning to te- tell people that I was just Kevin-Eric. Oh, Kevin-Eric-son.
1: yep exactly. Son is just a <laughs> Yep, yep.
0: So yeah, I would, I would pay her with a six-pack of Budweiser, which I learned later I could have gotten written up for and <laughs> non-judicial punishment, but it's like, hey, you want how much money to do my laundry? How about now? Oh, it's free. Oh, thank you very much.
1: Oh God, that was horrible. That was just <laughs> racist. Well we're canceled. Was uh yeah. been a good was, run, folks. Was booze cheaper at that
0: time still? Uh there were no taxes and it was subsidized, so I'll let you answer that own question. Okay. I also smoked three packs a day at the time. And when they got to be a well, dollar, that just makes you run faster and breathe better. Oh. <laughs> when they got up to be a dollar a pack, I really considered stopping smoking. <laughs> Jesus Christ!
1: So I was it, gonna say when I was uh, when I was there, it was like, well, I want to bring a twenty four pack of Kate to beer to this party or whatever. And you look at like a Sahih twenty four pack; it was like thirty five dollars. Well, you also well remember he's base. buying on base, right? Right. Yeah, we had a package heard, store. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, it was the uh, AFES uh, Army
1: Air Force Exchange Service or American Air Force Exchange Service or something like yeah. that.
0: Yeah. You'd go to the package store.
1: And that's where I we had a uh, my Japanese teacher there was married to an American who lived, Who they had base access there. So I got to get amazing things I missed a lot. The thing that I... The Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> I did get Doritos. <laughs> and cigarettes were dirt cheap. The I, I was like, oh, I could get a Marb 27 carton here. Oh, my God.
0: The, the one thing that I really don't miss from Okinawa is they had this Filipino beer called Manila, and it was on, like, these little... Eight, maybe 10 ounce bottles or whatever, and you would leave it in your trunk on the hopes it would skunk. It was a dollar a case. Was, <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> it was horrid. <laughs> I'm moving. That's
1: it. That's but even if you beer. went it's to like bad. uh But that was off base price too. It was just that bad a beer. Even when you went to the combini though, you had to notice like the price of booze, didn't you? Because like. Oh, God. Japanese yeah. whiskey, it was. 10 bucks for like a 175. Jack Daniels, I found for 15 bucks a 175. I
0: like, remember what the exchange rate was. It was like in the 360, 370 to 1 range, wow. which wasn't great. It was really great in the 70s and 80s. Well, right really. now it's like yeah, whatever, one on so. one or whatever. Yeah, one on one. But the, uh, the American dollar had a lot more buying power at mm-hmm. that time. So if you bought with American cash, they would also drop the price even more. Wow. You just couldn't do it right off base. Again, just stay away from off-base. Because yeah. it's not really the true environment. Not really... No, that's that's basically your tourist attraction right, right there. Exactly. It's yeah. Disneyland. So, you know, you talk about, you know, you, you're gaining or you earn leave while yes. you're in. I mean, did you ever take time to come home? Yes, quickly? I did. Oh, that's a whole great story. Um, <laughs> while I was at the MEPS Center, the the place where everybody goes in stages. Uh, I met a lovely young lady, lady, lady by the name of Patricia. Good Lord, hold on. <laughs> we need another beer. <laughs>
2: Get that in here stat. It's my first. It,
0: I remember my first time drinking crap beer. It's okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thanks.
0: It's <laughs> just my mouth is getting sticky. I cannot enunciate. Uh, Patty Peterson was her name, and she lived in Lacrosse, Wisconsin. And I came home on one of the longest fucking air flights ever—fourteen-ish hours. Yeah, horrid. And you stop over when when we went there and came back with the military. We stopped in Anchorage, Alaska, but it was a direct flight, and it was horrid. Because well. I had a buddy stationed in North uh, North Korea, stationed in South Korea, and was he stationed said, in North Korea? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah uh, he was. He was a diplomat. Which service does he work with? The so, NSA, CIA. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 South Korea. He's the okay. he's the A10 mechanic that what? I told you about. Um, yeah, he called it his day that never ended. Yes. Because they're what they're. 10, 12 hours behind? And they're across the international dateline. Yeah. And I came back on my birthday. So I literally had two days of my birthday, and it was fucking <laughs> awesome. 21 lasted <laughs> for 48 hours. But when I went back, I lost an entire day. I have no idea where it went. I've checked lost and founds all over the place. Can't <laughs> find it. <laughs> here day, <they>, here day. <laughs> um, But no, I, I had met her. We hit it off great. I think I actually wrote her more times than I wrote my mom. Sorry, mom. And uh, the expectation was uh, coming back to have fun. bounce bounchicka, bounchicka.
2: Wow, wow.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, when uh, she met me at the airport in La Crosse, um, which incidentally, I came into Minneapolis and then got on a small plane to go to La Crosse, so didn't even tell my parents I was in the country. Because, <laughs> come on, pussy. Uh, uh, I get there and she meets me with her boyfriend. Oh, and that was the entire reason for me to be coming home on leave was to visit her and uh, brown chicken, brown cow. So we talked that entire night and I also discovered she's a born again Christian. Hey. Yes. And she's also a sadomasochist. So I'll figure that one out. You won the jackpot. Yep. Of horrible people. But her roommate, Lisa, loved me. And I got to sleep on the couch that night. We played Dungeons and Dragons. We had pizza. Hot yeah. Hopefully not from Domino's, but we, we had pizza. And it was a really great time. And that's the day I started smoking because everyone needs to have a cigarette after they get laid. so for several weeks I just hung out with her she worked at Chi Chi's I got to learn exactly how great margaritas were there and got drunk a lot the bluffs over La Crosse by the way where they look down over the city on a very early morning when the fog is in there and you start to see the fog burn off could make a woman happy to be with you
1: (laughs) don't know how but it worked for me I have a a question here that I'm supposed to ask, I guess. Um, uh, So, like, Vietnam and stuff, USO shows was a big thing and stuff like that. Did you have any opportunity to see any entertainers? Oh, God, yes. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, USO was
0: pretty big in Okinawa, but where it was really big was when I was back in North Carolina. They had uh, Marine Corps Air Station New River, which was at the very southern tip of Lejeune. We had Reba McIntyre on... Hmm the flight line, and just being in North Carolina, you are required to like country music. And this is the time of Garth Brooks and Clint Blacks and Alan Jackson and uh, the Judds and Reba McIntyre, obviously, and just uh, the end of real country music before I started getting into... Before I yeah, got that like, country this hip-hop. This or right, or right, right. Yeah. Like the Taylor Swift-ish stuff like that. And unfortunately, I had guard duty that night. But, ah, <laughs> oh, it, it was close enough that I could listen to the whole concert, and I tell you what, to this day I still love Reba McIntyre, she's got a ton of songs. eight, ten, 8, 10, maybe 12 of them are really really good, but she's got a great voice. Um, she had an okay TV show. But yeah, USO... Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, I'm trying to remember where the USO was in Lejeune, because it was actually off base. If I remember right. No, no, no. But see, is it would it be unusual for USO to be off base then? Not really. It depends on rent and things like that. Oh, like they had a USO at the Minneapolis International Airport. So when I came back on the flights and whatnot, I'd go in there. They'd have greeters and they'd have food. They'd have coffee. They have somewhere to take a nap if you really wanted to. Um, The USO is very supportive of our enlisted. Uh, and also officers so did, so
2: USO does more than just like the big like entertainment shows and bringing people around they do more like uh, like comfort
0: style oh, yes, things absolutely. too okay one of the best USOs I've ever seen was actually at LAX and dude it was uh, I don't want to say hollywoodish but it was just it was laid out nice they had great food and I hate to say it years later after I'm out of the military I went walking in there and they stopped me at the door and very firmly said I could not come in and I went, but I'm a vet. Yes, but we're here for air. Active. Military. Wow. Hmm. And I went, okay. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Huh. You know, when you came home, you, you said, you know, they have greeters and such mm-hmm. at the airports. I mean, did you have a really big reception coming home? God, no. No. Uh, the funny thing is, the Marine Corps had contracted a airline called Flying Tigers at the time to transport us, and they were owned by FedEx and the airplanes are decommissioned cargo planes. So if you think about it, we're less than cargo. Uh they've slapped seats in these things and we flew. <laughs> and it was great cuz you were right on top of each other. And there is no in-flight smoking and there is no in-flight service. There was no bar service. <laughs> Wait, you can't smoke on the fucking cargo planes. I don't like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But Flying Tigers was horrible. Uh, I think I flew Northwest Airlines when I came back to visit Patty, and that was nice, because food, get up, walk, there's a bathroom, even. But no. But they wouldn't just drop the cargo bay for you and just piss <laughs> out the window. <laughs> hmm, opening a window at 30,000 feet? I don't know how good that works. Something might get sucked out.
1: fine for Ethan Hawke. Yeah, right? <laughs>
2: isn't a real person. What?
1: (laughs) No, Tom
0: Cruise is a real person. I disagree. I think he's a robot, man. He's a real person because he broke bones. (laughs) Trying to jump over something or other in whatever (laughs) the hell movie it was. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, coming back home, uh, was it difficult transitioning back into a civilian life? Especially when you're in Japan, it's a, a party, I guess, for lack of better words, and you get to go scuba diving, you get to go all these cool places, and then you come back here. North Carolina had its own things, again, uh, Camp Lejeune. The only difference was when you got outside the base of Camp Lejeune, you had tattoo parlors. Tons of tattoo parlors. Uh, when I got home, I got 30 days leave, or I took 30 days leave, and that was chargeable, I should say, so that I didn't have to just come home and then report for duty. Uh, I came home, bought a car, thought, hey, you know, I should probably register this on base, so I don't know what the procedures are. And I left a couple of days early. <clears throat> that was October 29th, 1991. And if anybody remembers history, there was a little bit of a blizzard that year. Mm-hmm. The famous blizzard of 91. Yes. so I Halloween left. blizzard. Oh, yep. I, I, I left and got to, like, Gary, Indiana or something. And I call home and I said, hey, Ma, you know, made it halfway. Don't feel like driving that whole thing in one day. Oh, you know, there's a snowstorm coming in. They're predicting a couple of inches. Thanks for calling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get down to North Carolina. Hey, Ma, how you doing? I made it okay. Oh, my God, it's the apocalypse. Nobody can move. The bunches are in the ditch. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so she sends me uh, newspapers and clippings and pictures and all this, and i so glad I left when I did because had I left on time I would have never made it out of the cities I would have been a wall. and again count my blessings, got the golden ring made it down there and um, yeah <laughs> North Carolina really wasn't that bad, they had better ranges and at that point I was really into guns <laughs> um, but there's also a lot of history in North Carolina, I got to spend spring break of 92 in um God, just South. South Carolina. Myrtle Beach? Yeah, Myrtle Beach. That was awesome. I'm driving this dude's Ford Ranger. I got a Dr. Pepper can, which is like half Dr. Pepper, half other than Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I think the statue some limitations is waived on that. Okay. <laughs> Good. Because when the cop pulled me over. <laughs> Because I had six Marines in the back of the truck, and the guy that owned the truck didn't want to drive because he wanted a party. Uh, All six of those went to jail.
3: (laughs) Holy shit!
0: I had my Dr. Pepper can and I put it down with the mouth up on the seat next to me so it looked like a dead soldier just sitting there and it says Dr. Pepper and they didn't smell anything on my breath thank god because I lit up a cigarette real quick oh my god God, I'm going to fucking jail oh my god and they went to jail so I'm like okay now I got this guy's pickup truck I'm in Myrtle Beach and where's my car That's, that's all I could think about so I get back and my roommate at the time uh, we had rented a hotel room. Is that right? Rented a ro- I room. Think so, yeah room? Yeah. He's bopping some chick he just met. And I'm like, okay, this is really turning into a shit spring break. Because all my buddies just got arrested. My roommate, I, ca- I can't sleep. I can't shower. I can't change because he's doing whatever. And that ain't the kind of threesome I want. Uh, just like, okay, I'm going back to base. This dude gets right on my ass. It's like... 10, 11 o'clock at night, easy, it's pitch black, and he's got the high beams on right on my ass. I'm like, what the hell? Oh, what are those flashing lights behind him? Get pulled over, and troopers pull us both over. You know you were going across the center line? Probably, there's this dude behind me with the high beams on. Could you just find out what's his problem? Maybe he's drunk or something. Have you been drinking? No, sir. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Went back to base, he gets arrested. Uh, North Carolina was not bad. So, the transition, you're still a Marine, you're on a Marine base, the location may change, the expectation is the same. I have a different job, I'm doing something completely different. Stay away from right off base. Again, go do stuff. What was, uh, well, post uh, active duty when you're no longer on base? I mean, was that. Difficult? Oh, you mean out? <laughs> yeah, when you're out, out. Well, how long, rather, how long were you still active after getting home? four years required, and I just had to basically check in, update my address. Um, they call it inactive reserve, but you are it's very cliche. They say, once a Marine, always a Marine. Yeah, you know. Um, what's, a, um, what's the line from uh, Red Dawn? Marines don't die, they go to hell and regroup. Exactly. <laughs> and the devil's sitting there going like, oh, fuck another one. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I got out of the Marine Corps... My biggest fear was finding a job. You know, here I am and I've got buku money because I had leave accrued and I didn't use it and the uh, separation package that give you a check, it's like, okay. Did did you go nuts and buy things that you probably shouldn't have? No. No. I was one of the rare ones. Uh, A lot of guys would go buy a car do whatever or put a payment on a car, for lack of a better expression, and just not be able to afford it. I was uh, raised very frugally and by that I mean I'm a cheap ass. But um, I got a trailer, converted it over, carry all my crap, had my car, and I'm driving home. What the hell am I going to do for employment? I really have no skills coming out of the Marine Corps. So you were driving back from North Carolina, North Carolina. to Minnesota? Twin cities. Yep. Twin cities. And they gave you the money to also do a self-move, so I got reimbursement for that. And I'm, I'm honestly thinking to myself, what the hell am I going to do? I was a company clerk. I uh, drove ammunition around for a while. Uh, worked at a. Uh, well, I kind of know cars and stuff. And then my muffler fell off. <laughs> and I went, shit. So I pulled into the Midas store up in Maplewood and I said, $385. We got to replace this pipe. We got to replace this muffler. We got to do this. We got to do that. I'm like, thanks for the estimate. Hey, is that a duffel bag in your back seat? Yeah, yeah, it is. Did you just get out of the Marine Corps? Or did you just get out of the military? Yeah, uh, Marine Corps. You're looking for a job? Maybe. You know anything about cars? Possibly. Well, tell you what. Here's my card. You come see me tomorrow. We'll talk. Cool. Then I went across the street to Meineke, and they wanted 50 bucks to just weld it back together again. Sold. So I had Meineke do the repair. The next day, I got an interview at Midas and a job. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there might have been a little bit of regret, like, okay, I went to Meineke over there, but I never told them. Uh, and I started my job as, or my career, essentially as a mechanic. I'm still doing it to this day. So, eh. I got a horseshoe stuck out my ass somewhere. I really do. You are the luckiest motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I've had some unlucky things happen. <laughs> so, if I could just hang out with you more, yeah, because and take luck all my luck and my lack of luck, we could balance out to, you know, more any- useful.
2: Nobody wants to take you up on
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody ever called you lackluster? Uh, I've been told that I have no luck at all. Okay, so you'd be like luckster. Sure. Oh, yes. Jesus
1: Christ.
0: <laughs> there
1: you go. There's your next tattoo. <laughs>
0: Shit, actually, Stop that'd that. be kind of cool. Put like a broken four-leaf clover on there or something like that, like a petal fell off I of have thing. too many tattoos lined up again. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> so? Uh-huh. You got the bottom of your feet. You got the back of your hands. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, kind of. Uh, at yeah, part. Corporate America. So, I mean, did... You got a job right away, basically yep. when you got out. I mean, did you ever have the opportunity, or did you ever take advantage of using the GI Bill, go back to school, or anything like that? Oh, that's a great story too, because I spent, um, God, I think it was only about a hundred bucks a month for twelve months into the Montgomery GI Bill, and it changed and transitioned and morphed into many different things over the years. But I never once wanted to go to college and I put into it and I never took out of it and you have uh, years after you get out to be able to pay or uh, to collect from it. And I also had um, free health care, free dental care, free vision care at the VA hospital. And I had this and I had that and I had everything. I went in for my separation uh, hearing test and they said, okay, you got a 30% loss from this, that, that." and I went, really? Because never once heard a gun go off other than the ones I was using and there was earplugs. but they determined I had a 30% hearing loss and they wanted to do, okay, here's your uh, disability. Like, No. <laughs> what do you mean no? You earned it. Yeah, but I don't deserve it. So, and again, that boils down to the I could have done more, should have done more, wish I could have done more, but no, um, not really. So now being, you've been out how many years, 20? Many Twenty-five. Many. What's don't put just, a number on a garden. Many. Don't ask. Uh, a, a couple years out. Don't now. ask. Don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I got out officially in '92, so that put us at twenty-seven years at this point. Do you um, do you still keep in touch with any guys that you're serving with? Only one. Uh, it was a guy I knew when I was in Okinawa. He was a musician, a composer, and. He was phenomenal and he did a lot of cool stuff with keyboards and he was looking for a portable system to be able to perform at these festivals that they have. And with Japan, even if you're only there a year, there's a festival. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're only there a year. Oh, there's, there's festivals. There's. there's a festival for everything. And they're great. So I designed a car stereo, car amplifier, car speakers, battery, cart system for him and it worked great might have a guy you might like to get in touch with from Rules of Arena podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and and the stupid thing was is there's this blue wire, and at the time I didn't know automotive electronics that well, but there's this blue wire to turn on the amplifier. And you had to have a stereo attached in order to think that the amplifier or to think that the system was doing something. Well I didn't know all he had to do was just apply voltage to it. So I made him spend an extra $50, you know, because <laughs> electronics are so expensive in Japan. I <laughs> she came home with quite a few of them, too. And I still have them. So that's the quality. My Kenwood is still rocking ass right now. Nice. Um, that's pretty much the only guy. Uh, there was one guy I went into boot camp with who was from my graduating class in high school. And I always thought he was a, a, a douche because he tried dating the same girl that I tried dating. <laughs> and she went with him. And then after they had a very horrible experience and they broke up, she decided to call me two weeks before I went to boot camp and said, Oh my God, Kevin, I always loved you. I should have been with you. I'm like, Tanya, sorry, but you got really nice breasts. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Do you find it easier to keep in touch with him? Yeah, oh, God, yeah. with the prol- proliferation of social media. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, like, uh, when I was in the Marine Corps... All you basically had was phone, letters, postcards. Now, yeah, you got FaceTime, you got Skype, you got internet, you got everything. We're Facebook friends. He's had a very great career. He got married to a young lady by the name of Lily and has uh, three adorable children. He's out in California, so I should go visit him someday, maybe? When it's cold here, maybe. Yeah, you know, it's only been 27 years. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Shit. But uh yeah, he was great. He was the uh the sergeant on the floor and uh he was kinda like the
1: he was the godfather. He made sure that everyone stayed out of trouble.
0: <laughs> they got into it, but he made sure they stayed out of it. So And for anyone that, you know, maybe they're in high school or they're in college and kinda like you, or they're this isn't the right fit for me and they're looking to go into the military, I mean what kind of advice would you offer them? Never do anything first. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, uh, if, if you go into any branch, anything whatsoever, find out what it is that you're expecting after the military. Um, you got to be able to have a sellable skill once you're done, unless you're going to turn it into a career. I had, um, I tried my best to get re-enlisted after four years. I loved it. I thought the Marine Corps was for me. I had a letter of recommendation from the commanding general in Okinawa, And at the time, Bush was spending billions upon billions on the military, but he was spending it on technology, boats, planes, drones. What are drones? What are these things that we're talking about? Drones? Missiles? uh, And he cut the forces by 40%. And as a truck driver, anybody can drive a truck. So uh, there is just this swarm of people trying to do lateral moves, get into a different MOS, get into a different career, get into a different job field. And I couldn't save my effing life, because here I am, an E3 Lance Corporal, after four years, yeah, there were these correspondence courses I was supposed to take, and I didn't. (laughs) Oops. But I I would have really loved to get reenlisted, and I couldn't. Um, You know, you gotta have a sellable skill when you get out of whatever branch of the military. I recommend Air Force. I recommend Navy. Because (laughs) They're technology based. You're going to probably get a job that's going to get you something that's going to get you a career and a life afterward. Marine Corps, if you are a diehard hard charger, absolutely army. Suck it. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're listening, Corey, Uh, then I I love you, man. (laughs) Would with the um, with Bush spending or cutting down on the personnel? Would you? Can you see? Would you say that's why you see more of the civilian contractors going over as truck drivers? Is that from that, or is that just because the opportunity was there? Um, I didn't see much of that, honestly. The mentality to me was any person that has a a driver's license can drive it, so it doesn't matter who's actually doing it. Um, You know, my current job with the post office, yeah, we do have a lot of subcontractors on that, and it's a federal agency. But in the marine corps i didn't really see a lot of that it's like look if you've got a driver's license and you can check out now you can qualify for the m151 or uh 823 or the 913 and just go do whatever it was just a matter of i didn't have a sellable skill so it sucks <laughs> well matt casey do you guys have any more questions
2: i don't think so no
1: I had fun reminiscing about uh, Okinawa and Japan. <laughs> Dude, so. we got some restaurants to go to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you again Kevin for coming down tonight and thank you for everyone to tuning in into this episode. If you'd like to stay up to date for future guest episodes, uh, and live recordings uh check out the page on facebook instagram and don't forget to check out my other show called rules of the arena you can find on facebook instagram twitter vero youtube and twitch all under rules of the arena of rules of the arena podcast and available for download and streaming on Blind Ninja Studios, Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Castbox, and if you're a veteran in a bad spot, please uh, reach out and talk with a battle buddy, friend, or even family, and or maybe someone you might know. And are <clears throat> if you are someone that might be concerned, or if you are in a bad spot, or you might know someone that's in a bad spot, uh, please reach out to the Veterans uh, Crisis Hotline. You can call one eight hundred. 273-8255 or text 838-255 to speak with, speak with a caring qualified VA responder. Available 24-7. Thanks again folks and we will catch you next time.